Hey, Bible, y'all. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Thursday, November 23rd. Happy Thanksgiving, which I say is the best holiday because it's all about gratitude for the Lord's provision, and that's about the least sinful you can get. The thing is, nobody ever tells the real story of Thanksgiving. Like, y'all were probably all taught in school that the Christian pilgrims were about dumb as that rock they landed on and had no clue how to hunt or farm, and half of them died the first winter. And then one day, a Wampanoag Indian named Esquanto showed up, and him and his buddies taught the pilgrims how to survive. And they were so grateful to the Indians, they threw a party to say thanks. Well, about half did die that first winter, and the Indians did help them out. But here's what they don't tell you. The pilgrims didn't have the green to finance this gig on their own. They had to get corporate sponsors, like a little league team. And these sponsors demanded that everything they produced had to get banked in a single common store and everybody was entitled to one share, like some kind of hippie commune. But Governor William Bradford saw pretty quick that this communism wasn't gonna work. Cause why work if I can lay around and get the same as the next guy? Or why bother if the next guy gets all my family's food for doing nothing? Either way, we all starve, which they bout did. So Bradford rebels and assigns each family a plot of land to work how they want it and keep or sell whatever they produced. The colony thrived, they started trading with the Indians, and the profits paid off the sponsors. The true story of Thanksgiving is that Bradford and the Pilgrims were thanking God for his blessings after they ditched that stupid enforced fairness and started trading value for value, like should have been obvious from the get-go. But nobody asked me. Our reading for today is Ezekiel 45.13-46.24, 1 Peter 1.13-2.10, Psalm 119, 33 through 48, and Proverbs 28, 11. So if y'all are ready, honestly, my favorite thing about Thanksgiving is here in Alice's Restaurant Massacre on the Oldie Station. Email me if you don't know what that is. But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday, on November 22nd, in the Old Testament, we read Ezekiel 44, 1 through 45, 12 and were still in the third temple vision. And God brings him around through the east gate and tells him to shut this gate. He says, I came through this gate and now it's mine. Close it up and nobody uses it from now on, except for the prince. He can come in, but only on special occasions. And the prince is the ruler of Israel, whoever it happens to be at the time. Then he brought me by the way of the north gate before the house. And I looked and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord and I fell upon my face. And the Lord said unto me, son of man, Mark well, write it down accurately, everything I'm about to tell you, so you can go repeat it to that rebellious house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, O ye house of Israel, let it suffice you of all your abominations. In other words, all them abominations that y'all love so much, I hope that's enough for you because we're putting a stop to that. Stuff like bringing uncircumcised people into my house and not taking care of my stuff and chasing after other gods like the priests did. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, that kept the charge of my sanctuary when the children of Israel went astray from me, the ones that stayed faithful, they shall come near me to minister unto me. And he gives some rules for them, and as far as I can tell, they're the same Levitical rules from way back, like what they'll wear and when, and alcohol use, and who they can marry. And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean, which somebody better start doing for us pretty soon. Amen. 
And then in 45, we start talking about dividing the land up again, just like from back in the day. He talks about what the priests get and where, and this sounds like all the same Levitical stuff too. He says, let it suffice you, O princes of Israel, remove violence and spoil and execute judgment and justice. Take away your exactions from my people, saith the Lord God. Again, I hope all that crookedness was enough for you, because it stops now. He says, ye shall have just balances, and he gives them rules about what they'll pay for what. And then he starts in with rules for sacrifices and feasts. So, let me see if I understand this correctly. At the end times, or maybe just before, they're going to rebuild a temple and set up the sacrifice program again. And God is on board with this, not because he cares about sacrifices, but because the Antichrist needs a Jewish holy place to stand in to usurp the God of the Hebrews and kick off the tribulation, or the second half of the tribulation, maybe, which in turn is the catalyst for the Jews returning to Christ, which is the one thing he's wanted this whole time. And he comes back and sets up shop in the temple. Do I have that right? Sounds right. But I can't say you have it right. Not sure anyone could do that because thinking we know stuff can take us down a different path. We don't want to miss anything, but locking in on a particular scenario, like you say, Bible y'all, Paul, don't get married to your own ideas. Right. That's what the Jews did and they missed Jesus. Mm. And that's what Martha did. She was so busy with the business of the Lord, she missed out on the Lord almost. Oh. But in the New Testament, we read 1 Peter 1, 1 through 12. And this is Peter's first letter that we know of anyway. And it was actually written by Peter and the same Peter that you think of when we say Peter, which is refreshing, finally, that we have a book that was actually written by the person that wrote the book. And the big question with this letter is, who was he writing to? It was addressed to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which are all provinces in Asia Minor. No problem. But who are the strangers? They might be native-born Jews who had been converted to the Christian faith, or Gentiles converted to Christian faith, or Gentiles by birth converted to Judaism, then converted to Christianity, or Jews that wandered off after the Babylonian exile, or Christians converted from both Jews and Gentiles. Well, darn Barnes commentary, way to cover all the bases. <laughs> if you yeah. don't know, just say you don't know. Don't give me theories so broad and vague that nothing you say could be wrong. The word strangers is interesting, though. In the Greek, it also means elect and could be translated a sojourner among a people not one's own. And all of that is true. So he's obviously writing to Christians. But my theory, really, is he's writing to anybody who will read it. And we only read as far as verse 12, and this is mostly a salutation. But like Paul does, Peter spells out the gospel in his greeting which is a custom I think we should bring back, at least for formal writing. He says, even though we're all going through it right now, rejoice anyway, because the trial of your faith is much more precious than of gold that perisheth, that you might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, who y'all love and believe in and rejoice with joy unspeakable, even though y'all ain't never seen him, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And that's what getting saved is all about knowing, loving, and trusting God, even though you can't see him. He says, even the prophets wished for what you have, because all that study and ministering they did back then was for all our benefit now, because it all pointed to Christ. And that's where we stopped. But darn, that's a heavy-duty beginning. Oh, yeah. Now, according to the Haley's Bible handbook, the church is about 35 years old now. Nero, the Roman emperor at the time, encouraged the enemies of Christianity to seize opportunities to persecute them. 
between 64 AD and 67 AD. Now some place the writing of this letter around 63 AD. And Peter's calling these Christians strangers because Christians are strangers here. And the NAS, the New American Standard Version, calls them resident aliens. It's written to those who reside as aliens. Essentially, live like we don't belong here. We're a different culture. The Young's literal translation calls them choice sojourners, like temporary residents passing through. Peter starts out with a doctrinally sound salutation, of course. These churches were at the mercy of local authorities in the current political climate set by Nero. Peter is reminding them of who they belong to and that their inheritance will not perish because it is not of this world. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 119, 17 through 32. And the first letter we start with is Gimel. And it's mostly a prayer asking God to deal bountifully with thy servant and open thou mine eyes so I can get all there is to get from you and your word. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept thy testimony. Yeah, verse 18. Here's our prayer as we enter the word. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law, Lord, today. And the next letter is Daleth, which goes along with the last section in that he's still asking for blessings of knowledge. But he adds a lamentation that without it, he's nothing. He says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. In other words, if I were capable of living up to what you deserved, I would. But I'm not. I'll do the best I can, but you have to enlarge my heart if you want more out of me. And you want to know how to pray? That's how you pray. Amen. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And in Christ, we have a new heart with the capacity to run in the good path of God's commandments. That's good writing. And in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 28, 8 through 10. And the first verse goes along with that batch we read yesterday, but I think the next two go together. Verse 8 says, He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. In other words, you're just going to end up giving it all to somebody else anyway. And verses 9 and 10, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayers shall be abomination. Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way, he shall fall himself into his own pit. But the upright shall have good things in possession. It's like Johnny Cash says, you can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, God will cut you down. Now, verse 8. I see the law of sowing and reaping. Sow nothing, reap nothing. The stolen stash will be given to the rightful owner. And then verse 9, prayer can be an abomination. Pride makes us enemies of God. When we pray like we know it all or in false humility, God sees the heart. And then in verse 10, more sowing and reaping. Sow evil, reap evil. Sow good, reap good. Remember Balaam? He couldn't get rich cursing Israel. He tried three times. God wouldn't let him. But he told their enemies how to separate Israel from their God. And then remember Haman? Hung on the gallows he built for Mordecai, Queen Esther's uncle. But the upright shall have good in possession. Do good, inherit good. But that's the end of our review of yesterday's study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for November 23rd is Ezekiel 45:13 through 46:24.
This is the oblation that ye shall offer, the sixth part of an ephah of an homer of wheat, and ye shall give the sixth part of an ephah of an homer of barley. Concerning the ordinance of oil, the bath of oil ye shall offer the tenth part of a bath out of the core, which is an homer of ten baths, for ten baths are an homer, and one lamb out of the flock out of two hundred, out of the fat pastures of Israel, for a meat offering and for a burnt offering and for peace offerings to make reconciliation for them, saith the Lord God. All the people of the land shall give this oblation for the prince in Israel, and it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings and meat offerings and drink offerings in the feasts and in the new moons, and in the Sabbaths, in all solemnities of the house of Israel. He shall prepare the sin offering, and the meat offering, and the burnt offering, and the peace offerings, to make reconciliation for the house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, In the first month, in the first day of the month, thou shalt take a young bullock without blemish, and cleanse the sanctuary. And the priest shall take of the blood of the sin offering, and put it upon the posts of the house, and upon the four corners of the settle of the altar, and upon the posts of the gate of the inner court. And so thou shalt do the seventh day of the month for every one that erreth, and for him that is simple, so shall ye reconcile the house. In the first month, in the fourteenth day of the month, ye shall have the Passover, a feast of seven days. Unleavened bread shall be eaten, and upon that day shall the prince prepare for himself and for all the people of the land a bullock for a sin offering. And seven days of the feast he shall prepare a burnt offering to the Lord seven bullocks and seven rams without blemish daily the seven days, and a kid of the goats daily for a sin offering. And he shall prepare a meat offering of an ephah for a bullock, and an ephah for a ram, and an hen of oil for an ephah. In the seventh month and the fifteenth day of the month shall he do the like in the feast of the seven days according to the sin offering, according to the burnt offering, and according to the meat offering, and according to the oil. Chapter 46 Thus saith the Lord God, The gate of the inner court that looketh toward the east shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and in the day of the new moon it shall be opened. And the prince shall enter by the way of the porch of that gate without, and shall stand by the post of the gate, and the priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. And he shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go forth, but the gate shall not be shut until the evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the door of this gate before the Lord in the Sabbaths and in the new moons. And the burnt offering that the prince shall offer unto the Lord in the Sabbath day shall be six lambs without blemish, and a ram without blemish. And the meat offering shall be an ephah for a ram, and the meat offering for the lambs as he shall be able to give, and an hen of oil to an ephah. And in the day of the new moon it shall be a young bullock without blemish, and six lambs and a ram. They shall be without blemish. And he shall prepare a meat offering, an ephah for a bullock, and an ephah for a ram, and for the lambs according as his hand shall attain unto, and an hen of oil to an ephah. And when the prince shall enter, he shall go in by the way of the porch of that gate, and he shall go forth by the way thereof. But when the people of the land shall come before the Lord in the solemn feasts, he that entereth in by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out the way of the south gate. And he that entereth by the way of the south gate shall go forth by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate whereby he came in, but shall go forth over against it. And the prince in the midst of them, when they go in, shall go in. And when they go forth, shall go forth. And in the feasts and in the solemnities, the meat offering shall be an ephah to a bullock, and an ephah to a ram, and to the lambs as he is able to give, and an hen of oil to an ephah. Now when the prince shall prepare a voluntary burnt offering, or peace offerings voluntarily unto the Lord, one shall then open him the gate that looketh toward the east, and he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings as he did on the Sabbath day. 
then he shall go forth, and after his going forth, one shall shut the gate. Thou shalt daily prepare a burnt offering unto the Lord of a lamb of the first year without blemish. Thou shalt prepare it every morning, and thou shalt prepare a meat offering for it every morning, the sixth part of an ephah, and the third part of an hen of oil, to temper with the fine flour, a meat offering continually by a perpetual ordinance unto the Lord. Thus shall they prepare the lamb, and the meat offering, and the oil every morning for a continual burnt offering. Thus saith the Lord God, If the prince give a gift unto any of his sons, the inheritance thereof shall be his sons. It shall be their possession by inheritance. But if he give a gift of his inheritance to one of his servants, then it shall be his to the year of liberty. After it shall return to the prince. But his inheritance shall be his sons for them. Moreover, the prince shall not take of the people's inheritance by oppression, to thrust them out of their possession. But he shall give his sons inheritance out of his own possession, that my people be not scattered every man from his possession. After he brought me through the entry, which was at the side of the gate, into the holy chambers of the priests, which looked toward the north, and behold, there was a place on the two sides westward. Then he said unto me, This is the place where the priests shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering, where they shall bake the meat offering, that they bear them not out into the utter court to sanctify the people. Then he brought me forth into the utter court, and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And behold, in every corner of the court there was a court. In the four corners of the court there were courts joined of forty cubits long and thirty broad. These four corners were of one measure. And there was a row of building round about in them, round about them four. And it was made with boiling places under the rows round about. Then said he unto me, These are the places of them that boil, where the ministers of the house shall boil the sacrifice of the people. Our reading in the New Testament for November 23rd is 1 Peter 1.13-2.10. through 2, 10. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Chapter 2. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, 
Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Our reading in Psalms for November 23rd is Psalm 119, 33-48. Hey, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Vow. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgment. So shall I keep thy law, continually, for ever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and will not be ashamed, and I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. And our reading in Proverbs for November 23rd is Proverbs 28.11. The rich man is wise in his own conceit, but the poor that hath understanding searcheth him out. And that'll do it for the 23rd. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30-second meditation. Today's prayer is on Romans 3.10 which says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on being grateful for the checks and balances in our government because prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, your word tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us are fallen, including the men that govern us, as well as the institutions they oversee. We are therefore grateful to you, Father, that you inspired the founders to create a government able to hold itself in check, in spite of the corrupt nature of our politicians. For many reasons, Father, we are close to losing this protection that you gave us. For that, we repent and ask you to heal our land. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yelling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody listening and let this podcast be helpful to them somehow. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, best thing you can do is to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleYallPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just don't make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all.
Bible, y'all. Peter starts out with a doctrinally, doctrinally, yeah, Peter starts out with a doctrinally sound (laughs) sight. Peter starts out with a doctrinally sound salutation, of course. That was one. One more try. (laughs) 